Hi and welcome to another edition of CSM SuccessCast. I'm Mike, I'm joined again by uh, Drew Gilbert and Steve Wynn. Thank you gentlemen for joining today and today's topic is not about success, it's about the opposite. So this is going to be a special about unsuccess. Uh, so areas where we have uh, we have not been successful in terms of a, a customer success organization and in terms of customer uh, relationships that we've had uh, with the spirit of to be successful you should visualize failure and then not do it so we'll talk about some of the some of the failures and what we've learned from that um, and I think failure can take many forms whether it's from uh, you know setting up the setting up the wrong process and goals to uh, you know a, not customers not doing things that you would expect them to uh, to uh, really misunderstanding what uh, what what a customer wants to achieve uh, as well as I'm sure many other different areas that we'll we'll explore on this call so uh, I'd like to pass it over to Drew and maybe maybe kick us off with some thoughts and a and maybe a story or two oh, I've I've got many stories on this one and and one that comes to mind that that I've always remembered is uh, going back to Yammer days. And one of the things uh, that we epically failed on uh, started with one of the best successes that the company had and one of the reasons why it was so successful, which was uh, the ability to iterate quickly and push out new features and test and, and do all of these great things that allowed us to, to keep pushing out the most relevant and engaging features, right? So. We were doing that and we knew that we always had the, the latest version internally and we were testing things and we were running experiments um, on customers and our customer uh, base was growing and so we were able to, to do more tests and more tests. And at about that time, we had launched this feature called Communities, which essentially allowed um, people from any different organization to come into one network. And so I created that and brought in all of the administrators from all of our customers as a way to collectively communicate and really dog food our own product. And it was going great for the first few months. And slowly they started to catch on about our testing because it wasn't something at that point that we used as uh, a sales tactic to, to talk about how we were uh, going to be able to move faster than other companies. It was kind of something we just did and, and didn't tell anybody. And so people would kind of message me uh, and, and ask about things and we would handle kind of one off and explain what we do. And, and usually it was okay. But at this point, the customer base was growing so much. We were running into this issue where the number of messages that were going through a feed were more than somebody actually went through. And so we started noticing that there was a lot of important messages that never got seen. So we started working on this, this algorithm to figure out, you know, how do we present top posts, right? And obviously that that's very normal now across the board. Obviously Facebook does it and, and lots of other organizations. Well, for us, because this was a, a business perspective, um, there was a little bit of a different response. So when we finally pushed this out, um, the response was catastrophic. Everybody lost their mind, especially the administrators, because they were getting just completely killed by all of their users saying that they no longer had an understanding of what was in the feed and they were losing messages and there were all these adverse effects that, that they were seeing. And so going back to this idea of our community, well, it went from a collaborative community to a witch hunt. 
and I was the witch at this point. And I think very quickly that thread around um, everybody being pissed turned out to be the biggest and most engaging thread. And as a result, uh, I started getting customers contacting me directly about wanting to leave. Uh, and then if we don't fix this immediately, we're gone. And, and actually, at that time, our very biggest customer, the uh, a, a VP there, um, sent a, a very formal, strongly worded letter to us. And so I, I give this whole, whole story in background because it starts with the best intentions, right? And, and the thing that we wildly messed up on at this point was that we never talked to our users. We, we did the test, we look at the analytics, the tests that we saw for, for some of the people that used it, significant improvements, but we didn't talk to the customers and the administrators and people lost their mind. So the, the result of how we handled it was one, for those biggest customers, I had to, to actually go get Sachs, the, the CEO, and we, we jumped on a few calls with people and, and uh, gave them a presentation, talked through what we were doing, and that calmed them down. And then that was also the initiative to bring in some product managers and, uh, and Sachs, I think, even made a post in, in that community um, to show that we were listening. And that, that really fundamentally changed the way we had to think about launching new features. And we ended up um, hiring and dedicating somebody who, who was just focused on making sure that all those release notes um, came out. And we talked to customers about tests and we started sharing tests and, and things like that. But at, at the time, I, I was, uh, I thought the company was over and I might be losing my job. So that was a, <laughs> a, a very, and those was, was are very early days. I think that was, that was definitely before either of you guys joined and it was scary. So that, that was a huge failure on my part. Nice, nice name drop, by the way. Pick that, <laughs> pick that up when you get the chance. Um, yeah, I think, I think you make a good point also in that most failures that we experience are they're not intentional by any means. Uh, we, like you said, we often go into these things with the best intentions in mind. Uh, just in some cases, these failures occur because we don't have it fully thought through or there's some things that we perhaps overlook or miss. And it sounds like you understand what those things are having, looked, uh, having experienced it and looking back on it in hindsight. Uh, I, have a, um, I had a situation where I was working with a customer and uh, in, in one of the couple of the previous uh, success cast episodes, we talked about coaching and uh, we were we were trying to help a customer uh, with some of this coaching and helping them uh, you know, put together a framework for how to how to collaborate better as a team, how to interact better as a team. We laid out what we felt was pretty clear criteria on uh, what we were looking for with respect to the profile for uh, you know how how they can be successful with this coaching program. Uh, we got we we got buy-in from the customer. We got buy-in from our side to participate uh, with the customer on this. As we proceeded further, we uh, there started to be some other landmines that we didn't anticipate that made it difficult for us to actually provide the coaching program that we uh, had laid out. Uh, as you can imagine, when you're actively coaching somebody, it requires you to be uh, uh, very much present and, and have the ability to, to really observe behaviors and observe actions. As it turns out, our ability to do that was was really hindered by some security protocols that the customer had in place. 
Um, so that that prevented us from really being able to provide the, the right level of coaching that we thought. And as a result, our ability to be effective was severely hindered in this case. And uh, the customer kept coming back to us saying, hey, where's our coaching? What are you doing? <laughs> and it was it was a little bit of it was hard to come back to the customer and say, well, you didn't really provide us with the the right access to people that we anticipated, although that that could have been a conversation that we had with them. But I think it was it was it was one of those cases where we had the best intentions, didn't look at all the details in order to make sure the program could be as successful as possible. And I don't think we were necessarily clear with the customer on what would make it more successful or what some of the obstacles were. That. That, yeah, that, that kind of miss expectations. I'm, I'm going to jump you, Mike, because I, I, I just remembered a, another story that I, <laughs> I look back very fondly because I actually became very good friends with, with the guy I made the mistake with. So um, this was maybe about a year in at Yammer, and we um, went on a road, like a, a trip to New York to go visit some, some of the big customers there. And the idea was supposed to basically meet kind of two customers a day, and we had it all planned out. And uh, we, I, one of the guys from the San Francisco office came with me, and we just hired somebody else from the uh, to start on the the East Coast. And so, literally, his first day was going to be Monday to to just kind of shadow along with us. And so, and I was really excited about it. It was going to be one of the the first big trips we'd done this way. So we get to the Monday morning meeting. Uh, we it's a, a first meeting and introduction and similar to what you're saying we talked about what kind of the vision is how we roll this out how we help them get get to success and we we did try and say hey this is on on you to assign the resources but we've got the strategy to help you get there and so i kind of whiteboarded it and and made it seem as though all of these things existed the reality was they were in process and they were about two weeks or more from being completed. And the timeline that we had with this company was about two weeks to a month. So it matched up. So everything went, went great. We had this, this good meeting. Um, and then that afternoon, uh, New York was hit with a gigantic snowstorm. Like nobody could move. Trains stopped going. And it happened to be that our hotel was right next to this company that we were still at. And the main guy that we were working with lived right next to the company. So we were talking back and forth just about the snowstorm. And he's like, hey, if you guys have no place to go, why don't you come in to the office? You can work here uh, and we can get going on some of this stuff. And so my initial reaction was, oh, that'd be great. Spend more time with the customer. What I missed was the fact that they're going to want to start doing things that we talked about and we had nothing available for them. And that became painfully clear as soon as we walked in the door and we sat down and we started talking and, and the, the guy looked at me point blank and he's like, cut the shit. Like, do you guys have all this stuff or not? And I, <laughs> I, I had, I had to, I had to say no. And, and I just, uh, I was like, look, there's there was no way to hide any of this because we were like even the airports were shut down, so we couldn't even leave. He knew we were going to be there, and so I just laid it out on the table. Um, and what turned out happening was actually really amazing because uh, he gave us the executive floor lounge to be able to work. It had conference rooms. 
Um, and the, the three of us from Yammer that were there just worked on putting together the plan and, and kind of collaborated with him. And it, it turned into a fantastic relationship with, uh, with this person. And, and so I, I look at the kind of this story or this, this concept is that even though there was just a horrible failure on my part of, of recognizing this, um, you know, being transparent with how you messed up and offering a plan of how to work together and make it happen uh, ended up, I think, creating a, a better result in the long run. Uh, but that was that was horribly embarrassing. Yeah, I think it's also a great a great thing of don't don't ever try and oversell where you're at because customers are generally fine with where you're at as long as you're straight with them. Um, yes. And that's there's a I think there's 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 a great theme that's come out from those three stories, which is all about expectation setting. Mm -hmm. So whether it's setting the right expectation with the customer as to what you expect of them or how you're doing against that expectation or uh, what they expect of you, I think that that's a really, that's a really strong theme that comes out of, uh, you know, and is often at the root cause of a lot of different areas where things, where things might fail. And I, when I think about, you know, I've failed many times at many things, um, and when I think back to probably the theme underneath a lot of those is similar. It's about misassuming expectations somewhere on the long, along the line, and the trick is about how to correct correct them as quickly as possible. I think an example of that <clears throat> example of that that comes comes to me is is when it comes to designing uh, the, your approach for customer success, making sure you're having the right uh, the right assumptions about what your customers are actually going to want from it um, and not having an over-optimistic assessment of, hey, yeah, all of our customers are going to want the thing that we want to do with them because it often, that often is not, that often is not true. So we've, you know, we saw that, we saw that at Yammer from where we were, uh, we were trying to have this conversation about changing the way that you worked and the way that you communicated and often we would just be talking to people who wanted to just set up Dursink, um, and then uh, we also we've, we also saw that from the early days of the CSMs uh, inside of Microsoft, where again we wanted to have conversations about how to go and successfully adopt the things that customers owned, and we realised that the conversation our customers actually wanted to have was no conversation at all, because in some cases they weren't even aware that they owned the product. Um, and then, you know, I see that still in my, my current role here where we're trying to make sure that in Fast Track we have a discussion about changing how work gets done and the opportunity, all the opportunities that Office 365 offers to people. And often we're talking to the exchange administrator who is absolutely deeply uninterested in that sort of conversation generally. <laughs> um, and, and so, you know, I think being recognizing that there is there is often a big difference between the type of relationship that you want and the one you actually have is is really really significant i remember steve some of your first conversations when you when you were working with the fast fast track team being very similar to that as well where you we were having some great chats about oh, well we want the customer to be over here and they haven't even at the start of the journey yet yeah i, I it's interesting, you know, there's also the perception, like you said, there's that perception you have of where where the customer thinks they're at, well, not where they think they're at, but where, where they are at, um, where you think they should be at, and kind of how to manage that 
expectation on how to how to get them where you want where we want them to be. Um, that's always a difficult thing to manage. I guess I'm curious, Mike. What I mean, do you what's what uh, horror stories do you have? Customer unsuccess stories do you have? I have a so a couple couple spring to mind. Um, one of the one of the more uh, one of the more challenging customers I'd, I'd worked with uh, with James in uh, James Evans in the UK was uh, was again a classic case of expectation saying where it seemed no matter what we did at the customer the customer would continue to come back to us and complain and tell us that we weren't doing weren't doing a good enough job and that we weren't able to help them to be successful and they didn't see how they could be successful with the limited support that we were providing them. Um, and no matter how many times you would go back and try and reset the expectation of what the customer success team was supposed to be doing with that customer and what their role was in doing it, they would inevitably come back a few weeks later with the same, basically the same complaint that they had previously that was based on a misunderstanding of what we were going to do for them, where their expectation was that they'd bought an out, the outcome from us rather than a you know, rather than the product plus a coaching service to help them get the outcome. <clears throat> so they would come back and say, well, why aren't you training all our end users? And why are we not seeing this? Uh, why are we not seeing this business outcome? That's your issue. You need to fix that. Um, hmm. And I, I remember it being a, this fascinating game of a, of kind of a circular conversation that and the root of it was a, was again, this disconnecting expectation between what the customer wanted to happen and what we were prepared to uh, we we were prepared to offer, um, and that one, you know, the, the thing that we learned from that was, you can never you can never restate clearly enough the the, the dynamic of the relationship that you're expecting to have with a customer, um, and it's very very it's a very very good idea to say, uh, when we operate in this way, are you going to be successful? And if you're not, then this probably isn't the right thing for you. Which is one of the things we actually ended up saying to that customer at the end is that this is not a helpful conversation for either of us to keep having. Are you going to change the way that you're thinking about this this thing? Because we aren't going to be able to change the way we support you in this because we're not going to mm -hmm. do this for you because that's not how this works. Um, and maybe you shouldn't subscribe any longer if you feel like this is the, this is going to be an issue could continue this yeah. for you. Um, and that really, the, you know, that really helped in terms of setting that expectation. Um, they, as far as I'm aware, they are still a customer. Um, but I remember that that conversation distinctly. Um, and then, in you know, in similar manner to one of the things that Drew was talking about, I can still remember, I can still remember the day a customer phoned me up and said, "I've just pressed the button you told me not to press, and I've just deleted all the messages off other people off my network." <laughs> um, I'm sorry, I'm laughing. And yeah. those were and those were back in the days where. Those were back in the days of the early days of Yammer, where our, the entirety of our engineering support for the product was based in San Francisco. And so, if you got phoned up at like 8 a.m. on a UK morning, you then had to dance around until about 5 p.m. in the afternoon when one of the engineers <laughs> got in to fix to fix the problem because you had literally nobody on your side of the world that could fix it for you. Um, and I remember that I remember that distinctly of speaking to the the engineers at this customer side on the customer side who were just genuinely worried that they were going to lose their jobs, um, and and being completely unable to do anything about it. Um, and and that's a you know a good example of where we failed by not planning early enough for being able to support the service uh, at that um, you know in in those situations. Um, 
and we didn't we you know Yammer didn't really get better at that quickly enough because we, we then we then went and did exactly the same thing in Asia Pacific uh, where we would ship changes on a Friday and uh, Australia would discover that they were there was issues with them on kind of their Saturday afternoon <laughs> or their, their Monday morning which is like Sunday afternoon uh, Pacific time and then those wouldn't get fixed until like 10 a.m. on the Monday morning so Australia already lost a business day on them um, and those are you know those are a few things that kind of sit sit quite quite clearly for me um so, so mike i want to i want to go back to your the the conversation that you had with the customer um the kind of candid conversation it sounded like you had to have with them i think that's interesting because i've been thinking you know there's the old adage of the customer's always right and i was thinking recently about how that is that is that different in today's world and i think you know, our role as customer success managers, in many cases, working with with customers, is really trying to challenge them and really trying to help them rethink how they do things. And I've often said to people that you know, there's no there's no such thing as customer success without the customer. And I'm going to say something that might be a bit controversial here, but in there, are, I think there are many instances where we almost feel like it's 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 not our fault, but it's the customer you're doing it wrong. But that's also a difficult message to to convey to the customer because you don't want you don't want to call the baby call the customer's baby ugly or anything like that or you don't want to challenge them or push them unnecessarily when they're not ready. But I'm 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 curious about how that conversation went with the customer uh, with respect to how did how do we like kind of like what I was describing earlier how do you bridge that gap between where we hope to, where we expect to get the customer to where they know that they're at. Yeah, I lo- and I love the, the, there's a really good debate about the phrase, the customer is always right. Um, yeah, that comes from, that, that comes from retail. And uh, my, I, I grew up, my, my dad, my dad sells um, uh, TV and hi-fi. Um, and so I, I grew up in a, working in a shop. And that, that adage is, it's a very interesting one because the customer is, when you say when we say the customer is always right, I mean you should always respect the customer's opinion and understand where they're coming from, because um, they they know themselves better than you do, and and I think that I, I think that interpretation of it is always a great one, which is the customer knows the customer far better than you will ever know the customer, and so you should never presume to uh, to understand what the customer is on about better than the customer does, um, and so you know the, so they're they're always right in that regard. Um, but the there is you know that still leaves there to be plenty of room between uh, what the customer wants to happen and what you are able to provide. So if a customer came into a TV store and said, "Hey, I want to build a you know I want to build a 32 screen multiplex. Can you help me out?" Then we would say no because we're a television shop. Um, and so the you know the, that's that doesn't mean the customer is wrong because they understand entirely what they want. It just means that you're not the place that they're going to be able to get that from. And that's that's a yeah. that's a completely yeah. different thing. I see people interpreting the the concept of the customer is always right to be we should make the customer successful at whatever pers- whatever cost to us, which is just like that's insanity from a mm-hmm. business point of view. Definitely. Yeah, it's listening to to all of these conversations and and kind of thinking back to uh, the stories that I shared and and each of you, it it almost seems like the biggest mistakes that that are made uh, even around the expectations are are also around the first time doing them, 
right? Like at least for for what we've talked about, nobody's mentioned the a similar mistake for a um, or, or the same mistake multiple times. It's more like the first time we get into doing something, the first time we launch, maybe uh, except for for the Yammer support side. But I think kind of the the takeaway from that is anytime you're doing something new, it's probably really valuable to go find somebody else who's already done it and ask, hey, what mistakes were made so that you don't have to relearn the wheel? And maybe you may not be able to address all of them because of limited resources or um, priorities, but at least having that on the radar is it gives you a much better ability to potentially address it um, either early or, or later. Yeah, I think that's a I, I think that's a great point. And also remember that um, you might there might be mistakes that you're continuing to do repeatedly, and you just haven't realised they're mistakes yet. That, that's also a good point. Uh, so getting the feedback from your customers is absolutely critical, and asking them whether whether they're getting the the relationship that you wanted them to have and the experience you wanted them to have uh, is is key there. So things like NPS and those those kind of things are very good uh, very good ways of understanding that from your customers. So uh, I'm aware that we we've kind of we covered a few things here, um, and and quite a lot of time has passed actually. So thanks, Steve, for reminding me that we're <laughs> we we've gone slightly past time. But um, I think some important discussions there. So we were trying to discuss uh, the the concept of failure and how to and, and areas where areas where we've all we've all seen failure and, and some of the root causes for that. Top reason really is is the about about setting expectation. Uh, expectation with the customers on what service they're likely to receive, expectation with our own teams as to what service we should be delivering with our customers, uh, and expectations of ourselves in terms of the nature of the relationship we want to have uh, compared to the nature of relationship that the customer wants to have. And the customer is always right in the sense that they know their business better than you. And they will always do that by virtue of them being in their company and you not being in it. And so looking at things through that lens is always incredibly valuable. And making sure that you're learning from those mistakes is the way that we all get better. Um, so hopefully this was a useful conversation for those listening. Uh, if you have your own stories of failure and how you've uh, become stronger as a result, we would love to hear them through at CSM Successcast on Twitter. And we will be back uh, again soon with a with a new topic. Thank you so much for listening. If you have any suggestions for future topics, you know where to find us. Uh, it just remains to say thank you again to Drew and to Steve for another great conversation. Really appreciate you taking the time as always. And we will look forward to speaking to you all again soon. Thanks for listening. See you, Mike and Drew.